Welcome to another season and another Seattle Hot Talk Extra Point podcast. Kind of jacked up about getting back into it again. And as soon as that happens, you get all kinds of stupid crap coming out about the Seattle Seahawks. But we also got a pretty hefty headline here the other day, and we're going to kick off with that. I'm Rob 50, he's Bo 50, and this is the Seattle Hawk Talk Extra Point Podcast. And Bo, uh, I don't know, it kind of came out of nowhere for me, and I, and I would suspect a whole lot of other fans as well, because it's been kept pretty much in the family about Jaron Reed and some issues that revolved around some domestic violence. And of course, the NFL has just gotten all kinds of pressure about that. So anytime it has anything to do with domestic violence, okay, you know, lock the doors, you know, get the kids in, and here comes a six-game suspension for Jaron Reed and and all of the additional crap that comes along with that, which is, oh boy, we got a problem on the defensive line. I don't know what we're going to do without Jaron Reed. Well, yeah, he's a big part of it, but uh, I don't see the Seahawks self-destructing just because of that. No, it's quite interesting to read all the headlines regarding Jaron Reed. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, he's become like the, the guy that the Seahawks can't do without, which is pretty funny because predominantly he's gone under noticed and kind of quietly had himself a great season and no one really was paying attention and all of a sudden he's like the one man on the defensive line that the Seattle Seahawks can't afford to do without which is not true at all actually because uh, you know it's one of the biggest things that you and I have talked about on a regular basis here at Seattle Hawk Talk and that is the amount of depth that the Seattle Seahawks have brought in especially under John Schneider and Pete Carroll um, is then uh, nothing short of kind of amazing to me. Uh, and one of the biggest factors that I think uh, was really kind of gone unnoticed with the whole Jaron Reed thing is it's really going to give a guy that we've always been big on in the, on this show uh, a real big opportunity to really uh, exert his presence. And that's Puna Ford. Puna has been a guy that you, you and I have both been pretty big on since day one when he entered the Seattle Seahawks camp last year. Undrafted free agent and another diamond in the rough that we have found. And just, you know, like we said last year, when he was coming out of Texas, he was the guy. Texas Longhorns coach would always put into any kind of a fight scenario, weight room scenario. He was the guy. He was the ultimate competitor. He was the guy that when there was a, a need on the football field, Puna Ford was solving the need. And he has done the same thing in Seattle. And no one else thought he was going to be able to do it. You know, too short, too slow, too everything. But the guy is a bully, and he's bullied himself into this roster. And he quietly had he's graded as one like the tenth best defensive tackle in the league, <laughs> yeah. an undrafted free agent. You know, and he grades a ton higher than Jaron Reed did, and that has gone unnoticed. And it's quiet to, in some circles, but it speaks volumes in our circle. And that is that you know, largely the national media is missing the point. Bruno Ford is going to have himself a, a, a great opportunity here coming up. And, and, and there's some other guys there that are not being talked about. Naz, Quentin Jefferson, some of those guys that, you know, had a little bit of an off season last year uh, or a down season last year really need to take that this opportunity to make that next step. Yeah, and to the point about Puna Ford, I mean, you watch some of the film and you see him pushing much bigger people than he you know, I mean, to the point of, oh, you're too short. Uh, but, yeah, he's about the same width as he is tall, and you see him driving 
offensive lineman off the ball. It's just pretty incredible. But, you know, the other part that goes along with it, to, to your uh, earlier point, was that, you know, as soon as we're missing Jaron Reed, everybody, you know, the sky is falling. Uh, we got nobody. My, just, what are we going to do? And Puna is just, you know, he's one of a whole collection that we can plug into the guys that have plenty of experience and a couple of young guys like LJ Collier coming in who has tremendous upside, Rasheem Green, who, you know, a young guy that uh, has not gotten a number of snaps, and back to Puna Ford for just a second, that's, I think, to your point, is he's going to have a great season this year, an opportunity to really show his stuff, because he's going to get much, much more snaps than he got before. You got Ziggy Ansa, Quentin Jefferson, Cassius Marsh is back in the fold. I mean, he knows the system. Been here, done that. Nas Jones, Brandon Jack. I mean, crying out loud, what do you mean we're thin at defensive line? We got, we got a ton to choose from. And, you know, to another point that you always make is, is that you got to hand it to the front office and to Pete for bringing in just a, a, a great collection of, of people to, um, to really compete for the spot. So, you know, I'm looking forward to – the training camp because the uh, competition is always great and we always begin to see some of these people really kind of pop out that uh, maybe didn't get the, the snaps they got before. We're going to see what happens with LJ Collier. We're going to see if he's the real deal. We're going to see uh, probably Ziggy Ansah probably not going to be out on the field for quite a while. Uh, they're talking about maybe not even until maybe the second or third game. But I'm talking about Rasheem Green and Nas Jones and Quentin Jefferson, Brandon Jackson, some of these guys that have been in the fold. And to, to, to see, you know, if they can step up to that next level, I don't have a big uh, concern, you know, considering that. No, and, you know, you made a couple of great points that I want to kind of touch on because they're very important to the Seattle Seahawks organization. And that is, you know, Pete Carroll's mantra of compete, compete, compete is insanely prevalent in this defensive line group. And I'm just, I'm pretty excited about that. You know, there's a bunch of guys there that are going you're planning on them making the next step. You know, it's, right. it's not, you, you have in the NFL, you always have the guy who comes in, you know, maybe a sophomore slump or, you know, or all that stuff. And then all of a sudden he has a breakout season. Pete Carroll's been talking about that, you know, with regards to Naz Jones and Quentin Jefferson and, you know, some of the other names that, you know, are, were, are pretty young. I mean, we're still, we made a hell of a move in the draft to get young and get fast again. And, you know, we're expecting that some of this young talent along the defensive line makes a significant step forward. That's number one. But the other thing that the Seattle Seahawks are kind of notorious for is system. The system doesn't require, you know, a single player to just dominate. The system requires that, you know, that it work in the manner in which the system was designed. And one guy is not going to destroy the entire defensive line. I mean, every team has a weakness and has a strength. And one of the great strengths of this team I see is the front seven. I mean, you look at our linebacker because then, you know, you have to bring the whole front seven into the conversation. It's not just about the defensive line. You know, it's also about the linebackers and what they're doing and how they're shifting the defensive line and how they're working with the talent and how they're making it work for them. And, you know, and, and then you got this all-star linebacking room that's just, yeah. you and I sit in awe of it, it quite, quite frequently. I mean, Bobby Wagner, KJ, coming back, looking strong, excited to have him in the fold. Uh, Michael Kendricks, super excited. And then you have this rookie class that I'm 
super excited about. I mean, you love the fact that B-Wags is still around and KJ are still the boys, but, you know, they're, they're getting a little bit older, and I'm not saying that they're diminishing or anything. No. But, you know, you have to look at the longevity of the program, and that's something that the New England Patriots have done for years. And the longevity of this program, especially in the linebacking room, was shored up with the draft picks of Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvin in my mind. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, enough time because KJ and Bobby are not going anywhere uh, gives those two guys uh, a, a chance to, you know, really not only learn under the tutelage of two of the best in the NFL, but also give them a little bit of time instead of having to throw them out there on the field. You know, one of the other things is because I agree with you, it, it you can't talk about the front seven without, you know, putting it all together as a package. And when you talk about the uh, front line, you talk about people with their hand in the dirt who were, you know, getting after the quarterback. One of the things, and and again, you know, we've talked about this so many times, and I, you know, people underscore this if you would and pay attention. Pete Carroll tells you you don't have to guess at it. Pete, in in any interview, just listen to what he's saying. This is just no big mystery or anything. He's telling exactly what he's thinking, and one of them is this. Okay, Bark Mingo. That he's talked about getting Bark up on the line with his hand in the dirt a lot. Okay, so if you're worried about the defensive line, think about Bark Mingo and his speed coming up. You know, because that's really where he works best. So if you're concerned about the defensive line, uh, there's one adjustment right there that all of a sudden makes a difference. You're worried about maybe uh, you're thinking about oh, well, you know, after KJ, I, I saw saw this in a story that was online. KJ and Bobby, you know, once you get past them, boy, you know, if you have an injury, boy, you're kind of thin at linebacker. Uh, hold up, Barry Jones. Michael Kendricks, they've just uh, just released here this past week that the other guy that's implicated in that legal issue, he's not coming up until the tail end of September, and th- they're suggesting Michael, his, he's not going to have his day in court until you know much later than that. They're basically saying he's pretty much uh, assured that he's going to be on the team, on the field for the entire season. And the, and the two young guys... Cody Barton and and Ben Burkirvan, Jake Martin still in the fold, Austin Calitro, serviceable. You know, I I don't see where the thinness there is. And uh, I see a lot of positives when you take a look at the whole seven. I agree completely with you. You can't talk about that front seven without lumping it all together because it's a package. Right. And the other thing that comes to mind, too, is, you know, because now you've, you've talked about the front seven, is that, you You know, if you look at it, you know, because what's the big argument with everybody uh, with the Jaron Reed thing? And the Jaron Reed thing is like, you know, hey, we're not going to get any rush on the passer. That's not necessarily true. I think we're going to think we're going to scheme some stuff. And I think we're going to be able to, you know, get Shaquem Griffin going. I think that's going to be fun to watch. I think, uh, you know, Bark Mingo with his hand in the dirt, Jacob Martin, uh, you just all those names that you've heard. I, I, I'm excited to see those guys make the steps that they're, expected to make that's number one but number two even if we don't get the amount of pressure that we're looking for which puts uh, some you know because these are you know the concern is the passing situations and the pressure on the quarterback well i think that we're going to our backside of our defense the, the secondary i'm pretty excited about those guys too man uh you know you start to talk about the uh, you know trey and shaquille and it's just I think we're looking at two excellent corners going forward, and I think both Trey and Shaq make some significant steps uh, at the cornerback position this year. And, and I really do think that we are in a great place 
in our safety position with uh, really, really good competition with some really quality individuals. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully Bradley can come back from, you know, his surgeries off, off season and stuff like that and really make a run at the season. But if not, I think we're in pretty good shape. We have some really young guys that are pretty exciting at the positions and, you know, and also some veterans right. been in the fold for a couple of years that know the system. So if you're worried about not getting the amount of pressure, hey, man, I'm kind of excited for the times that the offense is able to get the ball off because I'm excited to see what the secondary can do. Well, and one of the things, again, to a point that we've made so many different times before when you talk about George Fant as an example, you know, who plays, you know, a couple of different positions where where you've got people who can play, you know, in different spots. And it goes to the conversation we've had before about take the names off of it and, you know, utilize somebody like a Shaquem Griffin in places where he fits best. He uh, hits like a ton of bricks. He's fast. He closes fast. And he doesn't necessarily do his best work as a linebacker. So our little disagreement there with the front office and the coaching staff, you know, we think that he'd probably be uh, more appropriate elsewhere. But uh, not to get off into the weeds here, but when you take a look at the two guys that they drafted in the defensive backfield with Ugo Amadi and Marquise Blair, Marquise Blair, first of all, they were talking about him probably pushing Tedrick Thompson pretty hard in Delano Hill for the starting position there. So those those are those are pretty positive words. Ugo Amadi talking about him maybe coming down and you know taking over that uh, that nickelback spot. And when you take a look at the Seahawks, seventy percent of the time they're in nickel, going to give him some opportunities to maybe show his stuff. But both of those guys have also played both safety spots and some cornerback. So, you know, again, you know, if, if somebody like a Trey or a Shaq Griffin goes down and you don't feel that confident for whatever reason with Akeem, Green, uh, Akeem King or Nico Thorpe, if, if you're not feeling that confident about them and, you know, if it becomes a, a disaster situation, Ugo Amadi and Marquise Blair, they've both played those positions. Last I heard at the rookie camp, both of those guys, they shuffled them around and they look pretty good. So again, props to the coaching staff and to the front office because they've done a great job at finding guys that they can plug and play in a lot of different spots. Yeah, for sure. And in a lot of this conversation, you know, is uh, again, going back to something that I've kind of harped on, this coaching staff is expecting players. They're, they put the responsibility upon the players to make those steps. Right now, if we had to play a game today, I think we'd field a very, very competitive team. And I think our secondary looks very, very good. If they take the steps that they're projected to take, right. I don't know, man. This is going to be a special kind of secondary. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm tired of calling, calling it Legion of Boom 2.0, you know, or, you know, whatever, having the comparison. You know, those great defenses that we've had in the past. This is going to be its own defense. And I think it's going to be, you know, heavily, heavily Bobby Wagner's defense. And I'm, Pretty excited about that. You know, Bobby Wagner is now the, the, the Star Wars veteran voice in that locker room, you know, really pushing those the younger kids to, you know, make those jumps. Under the leadership of a guy like Bob, Bobby Wagner, of just kind of the quality human being that he is, 
Pretty excited to see that. Yeah, and uh, to the point about a quality human being, he's coaching up the young guys. I agree. He is the undisputed general on the field and the leader of that defense. Well, that's pretty much all the time we've got for right now. Spent a lot of time now on the defense. Next time around, we're going to take a look at the offense. Obviously, there are a lot of questions that are going to be answered in the next handful of weeks as we get into training camp. So we'll take a look at the offense next time. A bunch of guys to talk about on that side of the ball. Bo Scarborough, for one, who this just in the past week, uh, we were uh, laughing to ourselves because we saw an article come out that was exactly like a conversation we had probably a month and a half or two months ago. And taking Bo Scarborough and putting him at fullback, uh, there's a guy who can do double duty, not only as a fullback, but also a guy that pounds it and gets those tough three yards. And George Fant, obviously, coach has said, we want to throw the ball to him more. So check us out next time. We'll talk offense right here on Seattle Hawk Talk. Catch us next time around on Seattle Hawk Talk Extra Point Podcast. And don't forget to check out our website, like us, share us, and find us online at seattlehawktalk.com. Go Seahawks!